0: Philippians chapter 1, teaching on joy. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, and you don't have to turn there, but I'd like to read a few verses. The Bible said, The angel said unto them, Fear not. These shepherds were uh, just doing their night shift uh, in the field with the sheep and uh, near Bethlehem and in the, the fields surrounding Bethlehem. And he said, I bring you good tidings of great joy and then he said which shall be to all people now I'm thankful I'm one of the all people if you're in everyone includes you okay and that was the pronouncement of joy and then it said the reason that they could make this pronouncement of joy to everyone for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know why we can have joy tonight? Because Jesus Christ was born into the world, and Christ is enough for you and I to have joy. There was a sign, and I've seen it, and I, it's been different places, but it, says, it said, everybody brings joy to our office. Some when they enter, and some when they leave. <laughs> but joy is a choice. Well, what Paul wrote from Rome, and this letter came around 62 AD, when he was a prisoner. And his letter, it's interesting, he writes from prison to share about the secret of Christian joy. And it's interesting. Why do only some people take advantage of joy? John chapter 15 and verse 11 said, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. You know, Jesus wants his joy to remain in us all the time. And that your joy may be full. You know, God wants us to have a fullness of joy. And that angel made that pronouncement. The good tidings is the gospel. And joy has nothing to do with circumstances, okay? And that's one of the things that will get you messed up with joy. Happiness is something that we have with circumstances. When your car is running right, when, uh, you, know, when you win the lotto, circumstances. Like this, uh, this uh, husband came home and his wife was jumping on the bed. And he said, what's going on? I mean, she was just full of joy. She said, I won the lotto. I won the lotto. I won the lotto. And he said, great. And she said, pack your bags. Pack your bags. He said, where are we going? She said, what do you mean we? <laughs> but joy is not happiness. Happiness is when things are working out. But joy has a different source. Where's the source of Christian joy? Haha. Jesus Christ being born into the world so if we want to master joy we have to master circumstances so uh i remember when we were uh in i was a young christian and once in a while they would have us jump for joy in service service. have you ever done that before i mean in in church we would just jump for joy and there'd be people jumping for joy and and uh and it was, it was pretty awesome, actually. I mean, we were younger. I could actually jump back then. But when people come and they see a reality in God, I remember uh, at that same place. This is in Oceanside, California. We were having church. And uh, these bikers came in. They came in. We were in a uh, uh, conference center near a hotel. So it could have been anything. It was just a nondescript building. No sign on it. And we were having church. So this biker came in, two bikers, a guy and a, and a lady. And they came in and they began to look around. And the lady said, what is this place? And one of the brethren said, it's a church. And a member, she said, church. And they turned around and they thought it was a bar. Because we were having church, I mean the drums were playing, the piano was playing, people were worshiping God. There was joy coming out of there, but no alcohol necessary. And that's what God gives us. And they couldn't conceive that it could be anything else but a bar. But they they should have stuck around and found out what we were shouting about. And uh, we're thankful that God gives joy. So I remember this man, uh, we have an old guest book and it says, reason, or who invited you? There was a sign for a little, a place to fill in who invited you. And it said, this man wrote down, heard praise furiously. And that's what caused him to come in. He was just walking by and he heard praise furiously. I can actually show you. It's down in there. It's old guest book. But there is joy that is available to a Christian. And I don't know about you. But I need some joy. I need joy in my life, and I believe all of us appreciate joy. So let's look at uh, the fellowship of the gospel. So the first 11 verses, we're going to deal with the fellowship of the gospel. Fellowship means to have something in common, to have fellows, right? We have fellowship with, in the gospel. In First John, the Bible says in chapter 1 and verse 3 of First John, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you ever met someone and you gathered they probably were a Christian? I mean, you didn't, it didn't take long. And you realized it's like you knew the same person. There was a common, you had a common uh, acquaintance in Jesus Christ. And I've sensed that. And it doesn't take long. But you find out someone is a Christian. And that's a fellowship. So we have fellowship. In the gospel. And in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4, and I know this is all an introduction, but it said, And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. So let's begin. Paul and Timotheus, or Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, a city in Greece that's no longer inhabited, It's a bunch of ruins and different things, but it was a city where Paul had visited on a missionary journey and planted a church with the bishops and deaconcito, no, and the deacons. So it's interesting. He says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. So the four gospels, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? There's a genealogy in Matthew. There's a genealogy in Luke. One is for mary and one is for joseph so they're slightly different because jesus was descended as the son of david through matthew and through his stepfather joseph in the gospel of john he's spoken of as the son of god so there's no genealogy he's just god but in the gospel according to mark there's no genealogy either because you see in the gospel of mark jesus is presented as a servant a slave well slaves don't their genealogies don't count and you know what Paul and Timotheus, it says, the servants of Jesus Christ. You know, if you've ever gone to uh, any classes on fighting, you want to have a lower center of gravity because if you stand up too high, you'll get knocked down. Okay? You know, spiritually, we need to abase ourselves. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And it says they're servants. So if you get down low... No one can knock you down, right? And if you're down, now I'm talking about a base spiritually where we're not proud, we're not full of ourselves. It's not, I deserve this. I want the next, you know, I get the next, I, I was here. I need that PlayStation, you know, for whatever you're buying for Christmas. But you know what? If you're just a servant, then you're not going to get offended as much. What? I just serve. And Paul and Timotheus claimed to be servants. And so... The Bible says, Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's an amazing thing when we love the brethren. And I, I love being around the brethren and locking them out of church, right? I love that. But but I love the brethren and just having a good time with the brethren. I you know, I I, I saw a picture of Reverend Patterson holding my daughter when she was, what, born? A day old? Zero? Or something like that? And he has a cheesy smile on his face. He's like, well, I don't like my picture taken. I haven't seen that picture, I don't think, for seven or eight years. But, uh, you know, you forget all of this fellowship that you have, and I'm thankful for all of the fellowship over the years with different ones. And it's, it's really special to have that fellowship. Uh, the Bible says in First John chapter 3, and verse 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So Paul was sharing first of this fellowship. Paul had this joy, and he had these, the brethren in three places. In his mind, in his heart, and in his prayers. And you know, that's a good place to put the brethren. In your mind, in your heart, and then pray for them. You know, we all need someone to pray for us. So, preacher, I thought your life was perfect. Ha-ha! Yeah. Everybody is going through something. That's the truth. And uh, I, I, God laid on my heart. One of the things that I had laid on my heart being in the ministry, and I've learned this, is that everyone you meet is facing a crisis. No, preacher. Yes. How do you know? 20 years in the ministry teaches you that. Talking to people. They might not be facing it in their personal life. They might be having a, you know, a sister or a brother facing something, a child or a parent, but they feel that crisis. It's just part of being in the world, isn't it? We just... So if you know that, you treat people differently. If you know everyone's facing a crisis. And I remember this ratio of five to one. You have to say, if you're in a relationship... Boy, I have not done this. It's not going to make me look good. So you have to do five positive things to counteract one negative thing that you say or do. Mm. So if you say one comment that's negative, that's five. Now, multiplication, right? If you say two comments that are negative, now you have to have ten positive comments. Say, preacher, I'm in a negative territory. Most people probably are. Why? But we don't realize that everyone's facing a crisis. And since this mind has a negativity bias, we need positivity. We need people to come around like Paul and say, Grace, brother, peace unto you. Say, no one needs to hear that. That's just flowery, flowery language. It's not flowery language. We need to be encouraged because we're all going through something. So verses 3 to 6, I have you in my mind. The Bible says that I thank God upon every remembrance of you, Philippians chapter one verse three. Always in every prayer of mine for you, making request with joy. You know that uh, when we have someone in our mind, they occupy our thoughts. And I remember when I when I was uh, dating my wife well i guess i don't know dating we went out to dinner once or twice i don't know what that was but right so we rode a lot but i i was thinking about her and i missed my exit so i was driving down the road saw the exit go by i missed my exit why because i had her in my mind and you know when you have someone in your mind they occupy your thoughts for good for good For your fellowship, verse 5, in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident, I like this, of this very thing. And you can tell this to someone, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know that if God starts a work in a Christian, he's going to perform it. And you know, a lot of things that God does, right? He has a lot of detours that he takes us on. It's not a straight line. Have you ever done one of those little? Uh, you, you you dial you, you dial you draw. It's like one to a hundred, and you have to do the line from one two three, and you don't even know what it is, right? When I mean, you take a pen or a pencil, and after you go from one to a hundred, you're like, oh, it's a picture, but it's not just one line. It's a bunch of little turns back and forth, and sometimes you have to go down and go up and go across, and finally a picture shows up. It's the same way in our life. God will take us this way, that way, the other way, the other way. And you look back and you go, ha ha, that's what God was trying to do in my life. But it's not until we've gone through a lot of things. So we need the encouragement that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is working a work in our lives and God is working it for us. Good. All things work together for good. And that's a guarantee all the way from Jesus Christ. When you feel uncomfortable, you know, sometimes... uh, When you feel uncomfortable, could it be that the Spirit of God is doing the work in you? You know, sometimes when we get uncomfortable, God's taking us to another level. You ever play a video game and you get really good at a certain level but then you get to another level you beat the boss of that level and you can tear tear him out no problem but then you get to the next level and that boss sometimes gets you sometimes you're uncomfortable you don't know what to do you know god will get us to that next level where we're not really sure what you're going to do you know what we start to do and we don't know what to do pray Trust God. Worship. God, I don't know what to do. God, can you do? And that's exactly what God wants us to do. To lean on Him with joy. Making requests with joy. And the work of God is able to be seen by others. When God's doing a work in you. So a preacher, you know you never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching your life. God there's always someone. So if you pick your nose at the stoplight, someone might be watching your life, right? But someone's watching your life. Verses 7 to 8, I have you in my heart. The Bible says, even as it is meat for me, it's necessary or right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my corazón, in my heart. That's why cannibals like to eat Christians, Right? because they're more tender-hearted, right? (laughs) But the Bible says, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. You know that Paul actually was making Christianity accepted. It wasn't accepted back then. But Paul's work was making it accepted for others. You know, there's a lot of people that have gone before us in Christianity that have made Christianity accepted When it wasn't accepted and they were beaten they were thrown out of their houses they were uh, tortured or as paul most likely beheaded by nero but he made christianity normal we stand on the shoulders of many giants including paul and many others so in the marines they had this red stripe and uh it was on a on your blue on your blue pants for your dress blues and you wouldn't get to wear it until you were an NCO, so you're an E4. And it, represent, it was called a blood stripe, And it represented the sacrifice, I believe, in the Battle of Chapultepec in Mexico, where there were a lot of NCOs that were killed. And, you know, there's, there's, it, it taught you to respect the sacrifices of those that have gone before you. Verse 8, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of jesus christ in my heart does love go through god in heaven to the other person through us we need that love to go through us through our heart the bible says that when god gives us a joy we're going to show it to somebody and you know that god gives a joy and a love through what jesus did to where we can just turn out and let me tell you one of my bucket. You have a bucket list. You know what a bucket list is. I have one thing. So <laughs> preacher. What is it to go to the moon? No, it's to bless someone that curses me. Just like Jesus said. I mean, if someone unloads a bunch of, you know, bam, bam, bing, bing, you know, and, uh, you know, bleeped out and for me to say to them, sir, can I put my hand upon you and bless you? I don't know if they'd let me, but it's true. I don't want to fight. I just want to do it. That's my bucket list. It hasn't happened yet, but I will definitely tell someone. Why? Because it shows that there's so much joy in a Christian that no one even cursing can take my joy. No one can take my crown. And in fact, I can turn it back and actually bless that person right in front of everybody. Bless, not bless them with leprosy, right? But bless them with Goodness and bless their family and bless their job. You know, a lot of times hurt people hurt people. And you know, they just need a blessing of Jesus Christ like I got. And that's my bucket list. And you know what? There's plenty of opportunities outside the door to do that. I don't want to get shot. I actually do want to bless the person. Okay, so my wife would probably still want to have me around until she wins the lottery, right? No. Where are we going? What do you mean we? So, and the Bible says, I have you in my prayers. I have you in my prayers. You know, here's, here's, a good, here's some good advice, right? So if you say you're going to pray for someone, pray for them right then. Because you'll forget. I know. Ask me how I know, right? <laughs> but pray for them right then. Two weeks later, they're like, thanks for praying for me. The surgery worked out. And you're like, oh, 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 I did not. You don't want to say it, right? You're like, maybe I did. I'll just smile. Oh, great. Praise God. Okay, just pray for them. But I have you in my prayers. You know, when you pray for someone, it changes your feelings about them. When you pray for someone, you pray for that person at work. When you pray for that cashier, when you pray for that that person, you can't hate someone that you pray for. And when you have this joy that comes out in our prayers, it's different when you pray for someone. They're on your heart. And this I pray, verse 9, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and... In judgment. You know, love grows in two things. Love isn't just an emotion, knowledge, and in decision making. Isn't that something? Love is something that's not just a big heart that we see and exchange chocolates on in Valentine's Day on the 14th. But love grows in discernment. This guy came and asked me, he said something like this. Can I have 87 cents? This was at the former place. There was a lot of nice people hanging outside. Former place where we had church. And I said, "Uh, you know, for what? He said, well, I'm hungry. And I said, oh, okay. Um, We can bring you some food. That's what I usually do. You know, after church, we'll go home, get him some food, bring it. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, I want 87 cents to buy. I think it was like literally like 87 cents. To buy some chips in the store. And so I looked at the man and I said, no. And he looked back at me and he said, what did you say? And I said, the answer to your question, no. And then he gave me an opportunity to bless him, right? Because he told me a bunch of things about myself. But what I was saying is, look, I'll get you food, but the judgment that I'm not going to help you by giving you money, but I can help you by filling your... Belly And God gives us a judgment. Did you love that, man? Absolutely. I was going to go all the way home, make him a plate of food, home-cooked food, and bring it. And if he was hungry, he would be happy, right? Because I have people in my prayers that he may approve things that are excellent. I like this. There's this word floating around in 2021. It's equity. That everyone deserves the same. You know, that's like a participation trophy. They don't have that with basketball. They have a championship. They don't have that with the Olympics. They have a gold medal. And here's the word we should be focused on, okay? Oh, the spelling be everyone's a winner. No, no one wants to even do that, right? That you may approve things that are, here's the word we need, excellent. We need to focus on excellence. Have a higher standard. And you know that really God will uh, allow us to not accept things, that are a certain way have you ever just seen something you pass by a piece of trash in your house and you're like i can't leave that on the floor why because i don't approve of that standard i have a higher standard of excellence the bible said that you may approve things that are excellent you know god's going to do that in our life god's going to begin to deal with us or if you have kids they're closer to the ground say can you clean that up honey that's what I do with my daughter, right? She's the, she's the street sweeper because she's closer to the ground. But that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And then we have the furtherance of the gospel. Notice that the circumstances aren't dissuading Paul. He's in prison. And you have to just make up in your mind that nothing is going to take my joy. You just have to put circumstances on notice that you can't have my joy. I remember when my car wouldn't start when I was in Bible school, and I was going na Nin-nin-nin-nin-nin-nin-nin. and I need to get to work. I had a job. It was like 45 minutes away. Na and I remember just you know, I didn't know anything about cars, and I still don't. And I know you need to put oil in there. That's that's about all I know, and gas. And I remember just looking up and I said, God, uh, even if the car doesn't start, I'm still going to serve you. You know, I still, I, I still going to have my joy Let's sit here with my car, not working. And then, boom, and it started up. Now, I don't know why God still have my car start, but even if it didn't start, I made up my mind. The circumstances are not going to take my joy. I think there might've been a problem that I had to get fixed on that car, but circumstances, you know, God uses The tool of circumstance on us. God will use that to make us better. But Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul said, But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. You know that even though he was, uh, that Paul was uh, imprisoned, Paul was able to... Be a minister to the innermost part of the castle or the uh, hierarchy in Rome. And they which be of Caesar's household, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, salute you. So people got saved inside of a place where Christians wouldn't be welcome. You know that sometimes God will use your circumstances that aren't that great. I remember we were visiting someone, my wife and I, and uh, we were at this hospital. where We had to sign in with a security guard. This is pre-COVID, right? And the man looked up to me, and I'm not some big TV preacher. He looked up, the security guard, and he said, Pastor Bigelow. And I'm like, uh, I'm not that well known. <laughs> so, But he was a man who had attended church, and maybe once or twice. But look, you don't know the circumstance that you're in. You might interact with someone. You might be right by someone, so... Let yourself be on notice. My joy needs to spread wherever I go. There's someone that's watching my life. Verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. His chains, Paul's chains, were a tool to set the gospel to work. Verse 14, encouragement as a tool. Discouragement has a way of spreading. Have you ever been discouraged and then made your wife discouraged? Not me, says the husband before the lightning strikes. Right? No. But watch out for lightning. It can't get me in here, preacher. Oh, but there's other things that can, right? Yes. But, you know, if discouragement can spread, encouragement can spread. And you know then if you want to be encouraged, one of the best ways to be encouraged is to encourage someone else. Paul said, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bond. So Paul had joy in prison. And they're like, Paul's not down. He's up. Are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's what we need. We need just to have that boldness. And sometimes I watch my daughter. She would at the... At the uh, competition we had to invite a bunch of people out to she'd just say daddy can i have a card and she would just go and invite someone. i'm like well i want to be like her you know it's just but you see that if someone else is doing it you'd be like man if they can do it i can do it god spreads encouragement through his people now and what about a tool of critics verses 15 to 19 oh what do critics do they make us they keep us on our toes right critics they're out there in the comment section they're out there in facebook But they're a tool of God. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Oh yeah, if Paul is so spiritual, how come he's in prison? But the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding, listen, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. He said, I don't care as long as they lift up the name of Jesus. And therein do I do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. You know, a lot of people have different motives in preaching the gospel. But Paul said, I don't care. As long as Christ is preached. You see, when you begin to preach Christ, things can happen. That's why... Forces have wanted to take it out of the schools and out and there's a shooting today in Michigan. Let me tell you, there probably wasn't a prayer meeting that morning in that school. There's a lot of things, and it's I'm not saying that you know that's some kind of judgment, but without prayer and without God, people resolve differences different ways. And we need to learn to love people in spite of their differences instead of to hurt them because they are different. But Paul's joy was that, hey, they're preaching the gospel. That's all right. It's being preached. Verse nineteen. About forty seconds and eleven verses. For this, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Well, the last. Um, let me just knock this out real quick. The next tool, the tool of crisis. Say, preacher, I thought this was on joy. Doesn't God use some odd tools? further our joy and you know what paul had was just a made-up mind that i'm just gonna have joy and you know what if you have a made-up mind you can practice it tomorrow that you're gonna have joy you'll realize that all these tools god is using are for your blessing and not your hurt according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing i shall be ashamed But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, listen, this is his one track mind. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's my joy. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. He could have probably checked out pretty easily by saying the wrong thing. From a, in a strait betwixt two. I've got two choices to make. Having a desire to depart, which means to go to heaven, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for the furtherance and joy of your faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. And the last tool is consistency. Consistency. And know that crisis that God can use. You know, God can use a crisis. It can really be something that shakes something up to a blessing. God can use a crisis to bring a blessing in our life. Verse 27 to 30. Only let your consistency. I made up mind. Only let your conversation, the manner of life, be that as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Someone said you are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithful or true, just what is the gospel according to to you. And verse 28, confidence and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. That means that these Christians were just going on for Jesus, even though they were persecuted, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. That means if you kind of barrel through and just trust God and have joy, even though persecution, other people that don't know God begin to realize, wow. They're really sticking to something that's real. I'm not right with God and I'm headed in the wrong direction. So when you go through something, it can actually show Christ to someone who doesn't know Christ and be an attraction for them to come to Jesus. Verse 29, for unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, yikes, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. You know, with joy, circumstances can't take our joy if we have a made-up mind that my joy is settled in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. His name is Jesus. He's been given unto me, and I can have great joy. You know that battles spiritually don't stay in a zip code. They go to different places. You have the same battles in a different zip code, right? Say, well, I'm going to move here. Guess what? Battles move too. <laughs> but you know what? Joy moves too. And wherever you are, Jesus can meet you right where you are with as much joy as you can hold on to. You know what? You ever tried that at a job site or somewhere just to jump for joy? Said, preacher, why? The Bible says commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Begin to act like it and you'll begin to feel it joy that's chapter one i know i had to race a little bit at the end chapter two uh next tuesday god bless you is our prayer at this time uh spencer would you dismiss us in prayer hey god bless you see you on thursday